The Secrets of Stargate is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, episode 128. Janet West, Jackson has identified the seventh symbol. All right, here we go. We are about to try to make a connection. All we got to do is bust out of here, commandeer the ship, and fly on home. Indeed. You say that a lot. I know that this could be dangerous. But this is our job, right? It's what we signed on to do. It was never about going home. It's about getting us to where we're going. Hi, I'm Jack Berizzini, and you're listening to The Secret to Stargate, where we talk about the hidden meetings and deeper layers found in the Stargate movies, TV series, and more. And joining me today are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father. Howdy, Jack. And Victor Lambs. Hey, Victor. Hi, Jack. Today we are discussing the 20th episode of Season 6, Memento. Not the, uh, is it Christopher Nolan movie? I think he, I think he, yeah. that was his movie. Yeah, not that, that one. <laughs> that hasn't happened yet in my timeline, so. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There we go. <laughs> the Prometheus is on a shakedown cruise with SG-1 on board. During a battle simulation drill, the ship is knocked out of hyperspace by a gravitational wave from a star. The Nequadria reactor overloads and must be jettisoned, which damages the ship and attracts the attentions of the Tangarans, a nearby alien race, who almost blow up the ship. The Prometheus lands on Tagria, and SG-1 is disarmed and taken to the city. SG-1 tells the population about the Stargate, but they do not believe that the Stargate exists. They allow SG-1 to access their historical records, and they discover that the civilization has destroyed all their history prior to 300 years ago. Terax Salaman, a Tangaran, Tagrian, I'm going to get it right eventually, a Tangrian <laughs> scholar who collects artifacts from the lost time, helps Jonas and Teal'c find an ancient stargate in the west wastelands of Anhur. Kalfus, a Tang- Tagrian military commander, arrests Jonas and Teal'c when they find the stargate. Ashwan, the Tangrian chairman, convinces Kalfus soldiers to stand down and allows the Prometheus to launch and rescue Jonas and Teal'c. SG-1 uses the Stargate to bring back equipment from Earth to repair the Prometheus, and Jonas says to go goodbye to Tarek, and SG-1 heads home. I'm just going to try to not say the, the species or the planet for the rest of the episode, because apparently <laughs> I cannot pronounce it. Which planet is that? Tagrian? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keep wanting to say Tangaran, which I feel yeah. like is a different episode. That's something else. That that's yeah. I think it, I don't know if that's Star Wars another, or what, but yeah, it's another episode where like the name of the planet really doesn't matter. It's like yep. those guys. Another yeah. planet that happens to look exactly like us because yeah. they came from Earth. They got that one shot of the the bullet train and they're gonna use it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they even duplicated it. Yep. <laughs> what are your thoughts on this episode, Father? This one's all right. I mean, obviously you've got Kind of, they're kind of trying to think of, you know, what would happen to a species that's maybe a little tiny bit more advanced than us. Talk about the bullet trains and things like that, or like right at similar technology. If suddenly a ship of beings that look exactly like us because they are distant relatives of us showed up, um, I mean, it, it's it's something that this is a worldwide thing, and of course, you only see this one group of people. We don't know if this, you know, this this is the whole world or if it's just one, you know, one nation or whatever, but it's an all right episode. And of course, you know, they Jack's kind of a jerk a little bit when he probably shouldn't be. And, but, but it's all right. Nice. 
What about you, Victor? Yeah, I, I like this episode, too. I mean, it's not a huge one from a story perspective, but there's a lot of really cool things going on here. You know, we get a lot of the Prometheus. We get, um, you know, Robert Foxworth, who's always good to see. We we get some cool archaeology, some some cool alternate Earth technology, which I, I always appreciate. So it's not groundbreaking from a story perspective, but it's it's fun to watch. And, you know, the, the writing is is pretty good. Um, so I like it. I, I really liked this episode, actually. And I think a lot of that has to do with the strength of the guest stars. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like they were all really good in their roles and they all played off each other really well. Like I liked yep. having a because John Novak was the the captain. And yeah, I, I like seeing. It's funny because with all the characters, you could kind of see none of them were wrong. Mm hmm. And you you could all you understand where they all came from, and there wasn't any sort of conspiracy that had to be uncovered or anything like that. It was all just they were all just trying to do what they thought was the best solution to the problem right. at hand. And I liked that there it was just that, and there wasn't any sort of twist because I kept waiting for oh what's going to happen? They're actually going to be in league with the Gould or something like that, and it wasn't <laughs> nope. any of that. Yeah. No, well, you, and it, you yeah. even had the the one one guy who was the historian who or mathematician, but he's also kind of a historian who was you know a horror worshiper. But it's not like he was. And now I'm going to kill you for defaming my false god. I love that scene because as soon as they're like, no, he's actually an evil alien and not a god. I was expecting the guy to like flip out at them or something and he's yeah. just like oh okay i didn't know that <laughs> just kinda, he just kind of deflated just kind of deflated a little bit like oh okay yeah <laughs> and kudos to tilk to not say it's like oh yeah we like helped him get killed two years ago yeah you know? <laughs> yeah oh yeah he's not coming back ever. yeah but no i, I yeah that's uh alex uh Diakun, uh there who he, he had a, a guest role on andromeda too as Ooh. as an alien where where he was always it was always kind of fun watching him show yep. up there so but nice. he's been in everything that's been filmed in Vancouver going back to things being filmed in Vancouver what well, well, yeah. things yeah. I get a kick out of those you had the the weapons officer was major P- peter deluise yes not paid but played by peter deluise nice played yes. by ray galetti was the name of that actor but it's just like okay they literally use his name but i think was it they added the o yeah, Louise does not have and doesn't have the O. So, but it's like, okay, is that him? No, that's really not him. Even though they used his name, yeah. And I'm wondering too if that's because he Peter Deloise directed it, and he usually puts himself in as a cameo, mm-hmm. but he didn't this time, and so he had to have a character named Peter be. Deloise to be his or, cameo. I don't know if that's or it was written by Damien Kindler, Kindler, of course, who's yeah. another very prolific writer for SG One and other sci-fi. But you wonder if that was kind of a poke at him, too. It's like, you always put yourself in there, so I'm going to give you a character that's your that's name. That's pretty good, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that they did that. I also am surprised they resisted uh, making any Star Trek jokes in the opening this here. Time. Because it was very, yep. very Star Trek. <laughs> yep. Y- yeah, and Malazzi even prefacing this episode said, yes, we see the Prometheus again this season, but the show is not turning into Star Trek. Yeah, which nice. it could have, it could have, and I wouldn't have really ob- objected. No. <laughs> they just spent all their time flying around in the Prometheus because something always goes wrong, and uh, that's kind of yeah. where we, you know, they've they've gotten their hyperdrive fixed, they've gotten their shields and their weapons from the Asgard, 
but you know there's there's still something that goes wrong they have to eject their warp or mm-hmm. i'm sorry their hyperdrive you know, yeah, it's yeah, a, they're not I, with a generator or what yeah yeah their their hyperdrive core and and i do like as, as you said jack it's just everything proceeds like naturally people acting in good faith like if some mm-hmm. ship just appeared in our orbit and like blew up a huge like EMP you know explosion bomb, yeah. yeah EMP bomb we'd we'd shoot missiles at it but yeah. um fortunately the the leader of the Tigrians, um chairman ajwan is pretty progressive for an ajwan we're, we're led to believe you know and he he's just like this is fascinating aliens and he's the one who calls off the uh the nuclear attack without having even really seen the the people from earth so i really like his character in this episode yeah no, he's well, really good yeah, and one thing was was interesting, the interaction between him and Commander Kalfas about history. Yeah. You know, how this race, 300 years ago, which I'm assuming is when they over when they threw out gold, um, they erased all their history. They just got rid of it all. I mean, and there's that interesting debate about how, you know, we study our history as human beings, so we don't, you know, the old, you know, those who fail to yeah. study history are doomed mm-hmm. to repeat it. Well, we study our history, so we don't repeat it. So we learn from our mistakes, and that's why it was so important that so much of Earth's history throughout things like the Dark Ages, you know, so-called Dark Ages, Medieval Ages, was kept by monks and other, you know, church members so that we can study it now and learn from the mistakes from then, even though we're still making the same mistakes from them. <laughs> See the Roman Empire yeah. fall yeah. of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do... uh I do question the, well, I mean, I, I guess Stargate's not really the show you should be questioning uh, realistic premises for, but destroying an entire like civilization's history and culture at a certain point and then moving forward from there, mm-hmm. that, that must have implied some sort of heavy totalitarianism going on because that's basically impossible to do. And they do kind of show that with the scholar who's like, oh, we yep. actually know more than they they lead on. So I guess that yep. could just be the government spin that we're getting. Yeah. 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 But even then, it's like he's like, oh, yeah, I, I do all this, you know, research into things that people don't want me to do research into. And there are soldiers standing right there. And then they're like, yeah, take us to the place this this weird scholar says to go. And they're like, sure. So, yeah, um, people don't seem to have a huge, you know, problem with it, it, it looks like. I, I thought that, you know, this is another one where you can't really think about like chronology or timelines. 300 years seemed like far too recent. I guess it's mm-hmm. not really. But the, the you know, Harrower, I guess, got sick of this planet and left or, you know, so they buried the Stargate. And you wonder at like what level of technological advancement they were at that point. But now they have basically barrage balloons with artillery on them. They have mm-hmm. like tanks and stuff. And ICBMs. And ballistic missiles, the ICBMs, and that's a lot. I mean, depending on where, like, Harrower left them in 300 years, that would be a, you know, pretty pretty quick development rate there. I guess they could have just used the technology that was left, but that would imply that you'd have to know you'd have to know about the technology, and you couldn't yeah. destroy the knowledge of your history without also destroying the knowledge of how to operate that technology. Right. But hey, whatever. <laughs> it's not it's not the point of the episode no no it's not nope. should have been like three thousand years or something yeah yeah what i really like are, are the scenes with uh you know uh, ashwan on on the ship um with uh colonel ronson mm-hmm. um, who is played by john novak you mentioned and, and you know so there's a bit of a rivalry between ronson and o'neill um but 
you know, Ronson respects O'Neill's kind of experience dealing with alien races. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of really nice, nice moments, like when they invite the Tigrians on for a fancy dinner, mm-hmm. you know, state yep. dinner. And basically mm-hmm. it's whatever, you know, frozen Pro, meals. Basically like, TV dinner, uh, yeah. Salisbury steak TV dinner. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a really nice touch, too. It's like, you know, the best, it's the best, you know, they weren't ready for meeting an alien civilization or anything like that. And so I like that. I like that the Prometheus has that kind of multi-purpose room that's part conference mm-hmm. room, part map room, and could be used as like a formal dining room as well. So I thought yep. that's a nice uh, that's a nice set. Yeah, I like the design of the ship a lot, and the internal space feels realistic. Like yeah. one of the problems with Star Trek is that if you're just looking at like the corridors, especially in the original series, like the oh, corridors yeah. and the rooms in the ship, like there's no way all of that fits into that ship. But yeah. this feels a lot more like a submarine, and I guess they have yeah. they have a template to go off of, which is real well, naval ships. That I, I've I've said before that that's one thing I really like about SG One, especially. But most of the you know SG One and Atlantis both, the technology isn't like isn't there with Star Trek. You know they have warp drive when we start the series. We they have this, they have that. They're building all this up from scratch, basically. You know whatever they either get from the Gaul, steal from the Gaul, get from the Asgard, and then build with just human ingenuity you know and the ship feels like that you know it's got the things that are grafted on from asgard or from asgard or gwaul like say the ring transporter which literally is the rings and the control panel from a gwaul ship yeah Yeah. they didn't even like have a special control you know human-made control system for the rings it's literally there's the panel on the wall yeah and that strikes me as a little lazy too that they're they're stopped on the surface they could have like a little ramp that comes down and they could walk like twelve feet down the ramp, but nope, they're going to use the ring transporters. I think that down. was I. My, that my head cannon is that was a security thing. Oh, okay. If they because they yeah. had this army literally pointing yeah. guns at them, all they'd have to do is drop that ramp, and immediately that army comes in. That's true. Yeah, that was security. an intimidation tactic. Yeah, that's what we got. Yeah, although I, I do have to say, when that's towards the end of the episode where they're confronting. Uh, the army that's rebelling against them and trying to stop them from finding the Stargate. Um, when they beat, when Sam and Jack beamed down with the chairman, it really looked like, like if I had been in that army, I'd been like, it looks like they're holding this dude hostage and he's going to say whatever they want. Just the way it was presented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, possibly. And, but he does like actually give a pretty rousing speech yeah. too. That seems pretty heartfelt. And, you know, we get that whole, like, I didn't know you had it in you. And he's like, I didn't either. Yeah. Which, yeah. <laughs> which Robert Foxworth is, I mean, probably most of our listeners will know him as, as what Colonel Layton on Deep yep. Space Nine or General mm-hmm. Haig on Babylon 5. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's like, whenever you want, like, the the multi-layered kind of military person. Um, I saw him on an episode of Sequest uh, recently as well. Oh, nice. From the 90s, yeah. <laughs> he played, like... A guy who tried to set up like a psychic colony or something, but that's that was funny. funny. Yeah, I need to I need to rewatch that show. It's been years. Yeah, I, we're, we're watching the third season now. The first and third season are really good. The second season is just kind of loopy. But <laughs> <laughs> Sequest, it's dark Star Trek in the water. Pretty yeah, much. yeah, yeah, kind of pretty much. But <laughs> yeah, but there's there's a. <laughs> 
actually in, in season there's a there's an episode where they're fighting an alien but they're on earth in like san francisco and at one point they're having a fight and he falls at the feet of like it says like 2006 nomad probe mm. and it's actually like the it's actually the nomad probe from star trek it's That's a memorial funny. that was built to it after it was launched <laughs> so we can headcanon sequest yeah. into the uh, star trek universe absolutely yeah yep there we go it's all connected it is funny though um I feel like they made Jack more amenable to trusting the aliens so he could be against uh, Ronson's, mm-hmm. the, the commander's well, character. That's, and that, that's where I said he was kind of a jerk because, you know, military protocol is they were equal rank, but they were on Ronson's ship. That meant yeah. Ronson was in charge, not Jack. And Jack, need, there were times where Jack just needed to shut up and do what he was told instead of sitting there arguing. And right. to be fair, they yeah. didn't always make Jack look like he was the perfect one in this either. Yeah, that's you know, true. You know, you know, he's told to get off, you know, get off my bridge. Now stick around. No, I mean it. Get off my bridge. <laughs> exactly. <You know? laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and part of that is just, you know, Jack's contrarian nature. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to. He's going to kind of rebel against anybody whose name isn't General Hammond, I think so. Or Jack and even that sometimes. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Sam didn't really get a lot to do in this episode. She was just kind of, kind of there. But it's nice mm-hmm. that Teal'c and Jonas got more to do because I feel like they're usually the ones who get left out of the action, especially Jonas. Mm-hmm. And since we're coming up on the end of the season here, I'm glad to see him being the one who leads the leads the charge to find the Stargate and translating the hieroglyphs and all that. So that was yep. fun. Yeah, we get some cool archaeology scenes, including raising the Stargate out of the, yep. you know, uncovering the the cover stones, digging it up and raising it up. And yeah, that was a nice like little montage sequence. Yeah. I, li- I like that they had time for that to put that in and the budget for that, too, because otherwise yeah. they would have just said, oh, it's here. And then like, boop, now it's set up. But we actually well, get I, to see the whole. I did laugh, though, because, you know, they showed like this ATV winching it up. And you can clearly see on it the Warren Winch Company logo. Warren oh. <laughs> is one of the big major winch manufacturers and you can see the W like right on it. They didn't even try to blur it out or, you know, take off the label or anything like that. So they got Warren on this planet too. It's one of those convergent earth things. Yeah. Exactly. That's just what you name your winch company. Yeah. <laughs> Same logo and everything. That's gotta be it. Yeah. No, that was just, that was just kind of one of those cut. It, as soon as I saw it, I was like, wait, they did. Okay. <laughs> And it seems like they put a lot into that scene for it being a montage. Like you get them digging it up, pulling off all the cover stones, setting everything up. Lots of extras. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I do wonder, I wonder if part of the reason for filming that was this is going to look good when we run promos for the show. We can cut scenes from this and have the mysterious Stargate being dug up and we can reuse these clips a lot. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. It was kind of like the, the Stargate discovery scene that we never got with the TV show that we got kind of with the movie, you know? So, mm-hmm. well, it was a lot like the opening to the movie because they do that same yep. kind of scene in the, in the exactly. original Stargate yeah. movie, pulling it up and everything. But I like, they included that. And what you'd mentioned Victor earlier about 300 years, not being long enough, the way that the way the archeology span was done there, it definitely felt like this is supposed to be thousands of years old rather than 300 years old. Mm-hmm. But 
Yeah, whatever. That's probably how they were able to find it so quickly too, you know. True. Yeah. To get a it's like, oh, it's detector. between these it's between these two like stones. Okay. That yeah, they were destroyed the building was destroyed three hundred years ago and it's between them. Well, here's the two the stones that were there, the pillars that were there. Okay, we found it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh uh, Miguel uh, Fernandez playing, uh, I'm trying to remember the character's name. Kalfas. Kalfas, yeah. Uh, I really liked him. He reminded me a lot of Lance Henriksen, just the way he said things and just hit the way his voice sounded. And I almost thought it was him for a second, but they don't really <laughs> look alike. But he played that same kind of character. He did get a little one note through some of it that, you know, always immediately like well they're here to take us take us over they're here to ruin us they're here to destroy our planet they're here to you know and it's like you're not going to give them any leeway here are you yeah (laughs) and i guess that's just because he needs to he was the closest thing we had to a villain and even then he wasn't really a villain because he's not exactly wrong like strange aliens come to your planet with a big spaceship with lots of guns Mm-hmm. And you're the security chief. Like you should be more paranoid than other people. It's kind of your but there, job, but yeah, there was the whole plot of that. He was planning on basically taking over the, 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 um, um, chairman's position. Yeah. He's going to basically overthrow the chairman. And, you know, again, it, it obviously didn't pay out because the chairman was able to give his rousing speech and save the day. He'd had, a, he had his brave heart moment and saved the day, but, it, watching him drive across the field though in the little tank type thing that just was like a michael dukakis moment all over again. oh yeah yes Hell it was yeah. <laughs> yes it was do you even do you know what you're talking yeah. about i do not so well, you, what, what, what let's it, inform our younger yeah listeners I, I, and I, our which host. which which election was it was it the was that uh, 88 or yeah it was 88 probably because was, was he against bush or was he against Reagan, the he was first against time. Bush, right? Because yeah. the whole the whole thing was um, Bush was perceived as as a wimp or something, yep. and yeah. Walter Mondale didn't want to be who's a governor from some New England state. He didn't want to be perceived as a wimp, so right. he had this photo op or this commercial. Dukakis, went, you mean Dukakis? Right? Sorry, Mondale was 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 eighty four, but. I mean, Yep. Yeah, he was basically uh, Dukakis. Uh, yeah, he, he got into a tank and basically put on like this big like this tank helmet and then like yep. had him driving like around sticking his head up out of the tank. And it and, was like the worst looking like. And Dukakis up. was like five foot five, maybe he was a little short guy, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was just yeah, it was just not the the optics of it weren't weren't very good yeah. and stuff. And so. And that became kind of like the defining like image of his campaign was like this little head sticking up out of a tank as it like drove around for, for no apparent reason <laughs> at all, just to yeah. prove that he wasn't. I think it was like wimp, he was like, from Massachusetts. I think it was like Massachusetts, Massachusetts National yeah. Guard tank. Yeah. I'm going to have to look up this ad because I've, I've not seen that. Yep. And I've never heard of, I've never heard of him. I've probably heard the name. So he obviously yeah, that, did that not go the far highlight. in his career. That that was the highlight of his political career was being governor of Massachusetts and running for president and losing yeah. to George H. W. Bush. Yes. Nice. Well, there we go. Yeah, <laughs> I, I am the kid apparently. So yeah, exactly. It's good good yeah. to be informed. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a funny scene though, and I, I love those those trucks. And you know they were, you know, like on the standard like pickup truck platform or something like that that they just yeah. put a different body on them. Um, I like them. They were kind of cool. I want one. That'd be fun for out. 
out in the back roads. Yeah, that that was I really liked that, and I liked their. I guess they were balloons. Yeah, like artillery mounted, or they're kind of zeppelin type things. Yeah, like I like the the thought that went into that. Like it'd be interesting to explore more of the the background of this this culture, which obviously yep. I don't really think we get. But I, I do also think that if they had come from uh, Harrowers, they were his slaves originally, and he was heavy in on Egyptian cosplay, you would think mm-hmm. that their their society would be more Egyptian-based, and it would it would have been cool to see some of that incorporated, even just visually. But Yeah, they really kind of, well, and that probably was part of the whole getting rid of their history, was also getting rid of kind of those, those archaeological and uh, uh, artistic notes from Harrower as much True. as they could. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I like another thing I liked about this episode is we get some good Jonas moments on the starship. He seems really at home. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, Jonas is at home anywhere. And then um, I'll see if I could put it up here. But uh, when when, you know, he's trying to explain what the Stargate is, he pulls out one of his notebooks from his little man bag that he oh, has. Yeah. And he has like this expertly like rendered diagram of the of the stargate like it's just, one of his mini skills yeah ready to go oh there uh, we yeah, go there we yeah, go there it is. yeah i was almost hoping that some like teal'c or uh jack would make a crack about him doodling in his notebook pictures of the yeah. stargate but hey yeah. what, what else are you gonna do <laughs> it's just he just has it right there ready for uh yep ready to show off yeah he's got the binder clip and everything yep because he's got the uh, the symbols on the the clip, yep. but then it's like, yep, it looks like his fan drawing of of Stargate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's it's yeah, I just like how comfortable he is in any situation. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, did we have any fun uh, alternate titles, alternate uh, language titles? Yeah. Let- yeah. So in in French, um, a lot of them were were actually like Memento. So that was interesting. Mm-hmm. But in French, I'm, I'm not going to pronounce this right. Enquête du passé, which is seeking for the past. So that's nice. that's pretty appropriate. Yeah. And then in in German we get Vergangenheit, <laughs> which just means past. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's just past. Nice. Yep. It probably means something a little bit more than that in German, but what the, no, that that's a typical one word. Probably, yeah. <laughs> the time before the present is what <laughs> yeah. it means. No. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Uh, did y'all have any other thoughts on this episode? Nothing here. Uh, no. I mean, just it really good to see Robert Foxworth and, you know, not as a paranoid, mm-hmm. um, you know, military leader uh, yeah. was, was nice. I, again, I just like the dinner scene so much just with the little frozen peas and whatever they're eating there. <laughs> I wonder if they use the MRE, uh, those self-heating bags to heat everything oh, up. Yeah. Nah, I think this was, they, this, they, they mentioned it came out of the freezer. So this nah. was, this was the Swanson's TV dinners. Microwaves. They yeah. pulled out the, the finest Swanson TV dinners. <laughs> nice. And I just like the, the beginning sequence of this episode too, where things just go from bad to worse to, to even worse. Mm-hmm. Highlights the, the dangers of interstellar space travel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was nice to see humanity is getting into space, but it's not going to be an easy ride. Yep. Darn blowing up, darn exploding stars causing problems with the the hyperspace. Yeah. I hate it when that happens. Yep. 
Awesome. Uh, we do have some uh, feedback on cool. our episode uh, Sight Unseen. Um, uh, Mark Gillies, 1970, commented on YouTube, never had trouble with this episode. Uh, like the kid said, it was fun, and I would take this one over spirits any any day. I like Vernon and his grandmother. I had sympathy for them. I skip one false step in spirits. This one I watch and enjoy for what it is, but to each their own. Yeah, it was... It was okay. I mean, we obviously, I think we were a little hard on it, but it was okay. It wasn't bad. It's just very forgettable in my opinion. But hey, whatever. Awesome. Uh, before we go, we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Stargate, including Sean K., Mark B., Noreen G., John A., and Michael C. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Stargate and all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And be sure to follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and you can find our video versions at youtube.com slash starcrestmedia. And you can leave comments on there uh, like Mark Gillies 1970 did. We always yeah. love hearing, uh, yes. hearing from people and YouTube seems to be a good place for that. And to find previous episodes of Secrets of Stargate and to send us feedback, please visit sqpn.com slash stargate. And you can email us at stargate at sqpn.com or follow StarQuest on social media at facebook.com slash starquestmedia or on Twitter at sqpn. And we'll be back next time and we'll be discussing the next episode of SG-1, Prophecy. Until then, Father Corey, thank you for joining me and sharing the Secrets of Stargate. Thank you, Jack. And Victor Lambs, thank you too. Thanks, Jack. And so you're saying there's no redundancy. There never is. <laughs> and once again, I'm Jack Berzini. Thank you for listening to The Secret to Stargate on StarQuest. Anyway, I'm sorry, but that just happens to be how I feel about it. What do you think? Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. Let's Science. Find the show wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash science.